0: Welcome to the Band of Brothers podcast. The Band of Brothers is the men's ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. The we are on right now is winning at work and home. We are being led by Pastor Greg Mott, Jason Swigert, Eric Reed, Ben Pritchett, and several other ministers from the church. We're glad you're joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day. Thank you for allowing us to gather here today, uh, for men to come together to make a statement just by being here that we want to be the men that you desire us to be. Um, God, I pray that uh, we would just have a great time, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would open up the eyes of our hearts to, to see what you have for us and to hear what you have for us, and pray you'd speak mightily through Jason. I pray that you give him words and that you would help him to give us insight uh, into the women that are important in our lives, whether they be a wife, fiance, uh, girlfriend, or some woman that we someday hope to have uh, in one of those three categories. And I pray, God, that you would also just be with our country and uh, give our country wisdom when selecting leaders this upcoming uh, November uh, with the big presidential election and all the other elections that are going on. We love you, Lord, and uh, we just proclaim your greatness today. And it's in Jesus's holy name we pray. Amen. Many times we've loved and we've shared love and made love. It's, it doesn't seem to me like it's enough. you know this song. It's just not enough, Lee. <laughs> it's just not enough. Can't get enough of you, babe Very wide. If you want to get it, actually, it's on my iPod and uh, enough, my. Uh, ready, you can turn it off now. That's the thing I wanna Just wanna get y'all kind of in the mood of pursuing your woman, you know, staying close to her. So if you wanna download that, you can I think it's the best. The greatest hits of Barry White on iPod, you know, iTunes, 99 cents. So it's worth it. Eric said every time he listened to that song you had a child. So there you go. It's good. He'll he'll talk about that more next week. But I, that's on my iPod. My um my uh secretary, my assistant, um, she downloaded a whole bunch of stuff for me the first time that I got my iPod. And so she put that on there as a joke. So I'm at Bally's working out, and all of a sudden I, hey, let's love and all that stuff. So anyway, I had to turn it off quick at the gym. It's not a good one. Staying close to your woman is what we're going to talk about today. And so how many of you have received the link uh, to the podcast from Eric? Anybody? He wanted me to ask that. So fair amount. Good. Check your, you probably have a lot of emails from Eric. Don't just disregard them, but check them, okay? He spends a lot of time. Doing that for you. So um, one of you guys, I don't see him yet, um, sent me an email last week after, uh, after our session during the day. I got a couple of emails and one of them was from a guy here, sharp guy, and he said at his table they've had some great conversation about how much time they put into um, you know pursuing their kids. Uh, they, have, uh, they have two children pursuing their kids, and their life is built around that and making sure they're connected and all that kind of stuff. But he said it was a great reminder, and they had a great conversation with some young guys around their table about we forget to do that with our wives, about being intentional, about staying close. So we're actually going to build on that today, and uh, if you want to turn in your books, most of y'all are already there, but it's on page 26. There's a lot of blanks. I'm going to summarize some things. It's a really All these lessons are really long. And so if I, if I miss a blank, don't get caught up on the blanks. You can look um, on the, at the back, and it has all the answers if you need to fill all those blanks in to feel good about today, okay? That's good. Some people have to do that. Um, so we've been going three weeks now, and that's how long we've been together on this kind of manhood journey, and we've covered a lot of stuff. Um, I heard this morning um, on James Dobson, even, they had uh, Dawson McAllister talking, who's an old youth speaker but he was, he was speaking about dating relationships, um, about that exact thing, about studying um, your spouse so well that you, that, and putting intentionality into it so you, you know how to relate to her and what she likes and what, what she needs from you. And, um, and basically that there's personalities and you're born with a personality, you're not going to change that person. And so accepting that coming, true love is coming to that point where you just accept it and say, I love you if you never change and because I can't change you and so some of that we're going to even tie into a little bit a little bit today. So if nothing else, hopefully you've learned one fundamental truth and that is that living with a woman it doesn't just happen, okay? Uh you can you can you can just exist, but living well with a woman is what we're talking about. It's an acquired skill. And all you guys are um about skill and um Ability, and so you can learn. You can learn that. Remember, two thousand years ago, the Apostle Peter stated this way. We read this each week um, in Second Peter to live in an understanding way with your woman. Uh, do you remember that that verse? It's actually in your in your book in prior weeks. But we are to to live in an understanding way with our wives or with our woman. Um, I, I have a trailer of a movie that's coming out, or it's out right now, called Fireproof. And I don't know if you heard heard of it, um, but Pastor Greg's referred to it. My wife and I we're going to go see it tonight and um, I'm on a little date. Maybe we'll listen to a little Barry White on the way. I've heard people say. Okay, fireproof, we'll need some fireproof. Sanders, you two go check out the car, let me know what you got. I need an inch and three quarter line. Ah. Ma'am, I'm Captain Holt to the Albany Fire Department. Help me, please help me, I can't get out. Listen, we're gonna get you out of here. You're gonna be just fine, all right? started off great you know it was so romantic Catherine and i were in love when we got married but today we're two very different people we fight more than we do anything else it's just not working out anymore when did i stop being good enough for him i just want help honey i agree with you you got to get out you can say that again a real man's got to be a hero to his wife before he could be to anybody else uh, he ain't a real man caleb is there anything in you that wants to save your marriage? All you need to make marriage work is a little bit of romance. That comes from right here. Man, that's easy to say when you ain't never been married. I'm gonna send you something in the mail. Look at it as a gift from your father. Take one day at a time, then see what happens. What are you doing? Maybe I'd like to have dinner with my wife. i tell you what he's doing. He's trying to butter you up for a divorce. You never assume I would do anything worthy of respect! anything honorable. honorable we're done dad i am not gonna keep doing this oh, newspaper called me twice wanting an interview seems i'm a hero with everybody in the world except my wife i want to believe that this is real and i'm not ready to say that i trust you again. marriages aren't fireproof michael sometimes you get burned fireproof doesn't mean that a fire will never come but that when it comes, you'll be able to withstand it. You can't love her because you can't give her what you don't have. No love is not a fight, but it's something worth fighting. Hey, you got to get out of the house, Uh, there's a couple of patients I met on a blind date, and the couple that set us up um, have recently joined First Baptist, and so we reconnected with them. And um, He called me Sunday afternoon, and he said, we went and saw Fireproof, and he said, well, keep your kids if y'all go see it this week. And he said, um, that's not a picture of our marriage, please don't go, <laughs> oh, great, and he's speaking about it. Um, but he said they went and saw it at like 9 o'clock, and they were up till one thirty talking. He said it was incredible, because no matter where you are in your relationship, there's something you can relate to in there. And it's so, so on-target and practical and um, really brings out what what it's about. And there's some great lines in there um, about everybody thinks I'm a hero, but you... um, I think I've used that line before. Um, Everybody likes me, but but you right now. So she's like, then go be with them. So... Um, but there's a, there's another quote actually in another trailer and it says there's a, this black fireman is talking to his, his friend is talking to Kirk Cameron who used to be on Growing Pains who's doesn't look 13 anymore. So that's good. But, um, he says, you'll go into a building and save a total stranger, but you won't save your own marriage. And, um, guys, that's what we're about. That's what men's life is about this, um, winning at work and home. And so we're going to, we're going to dive into that and, and it's about staying close and again, being intentional about that. So, um, I'm going to read a, read a quote from you. There's a book by Dr. Philip McGraw, otherwise known as Dr. Phil, which y'all probably don't spend a year at work and you're probably not watching him, but there's a book called Life Strategies that's on the best-selling list, and uh, he, he, has a, he has a quote. Um, he's made millions of dollars basically saying the same thing that a lot of the Apostle Peter has said about relationships, and so um, I want, want you to read this. You'll, you'll see what it says. He says this. There's a difference between really living and just existing. Existing is extinctual, uh, not instinctual. instinctional. It is involuntary, reactive, self-preserving, um, with the primary goal of just getting from one day to the next without regard to quality. Living, on the other hand, is the exercise of certain learned skills, attitudes, and abilities that you have acquired and honed. Okay. Um, uh, the the natural part of us is just to be passive, and uh, and if if your if your personality is is phlegmatic. Probably even more so, you're more passive. So let me stop right there and look for a, a second. That's a whole lot of, of how, that's a whole lot of how a lot of men live with their wives. Um, that's how a lot of young guys live with their girlfriends. They just. They're instinctual and they're just day to day. They just kind of let things happen as they they come and they just exist. And hopefully that that's good enough because they're putting their time on, on other other things. On the other hand, Doctor Phil says living is the exercise of certain learned skills, attitudes, and abilities that you acquired and honed. As I said, do you know what what that means? That's a twenty first century uh, way of speaking. The tw- the first century wisdom of the of an of an apostle when he says husbands live, don't just exist. Live with your wives in an understanding way with acquired skills, attitudes, um, and, uh, th- th- and that you've honed in and acquired skills that you've done. That's what we're talking about. So over the last three weeks, there's a couple of things that, uh, that we've talked about. We'll review them real quick. Remember, uh, the needs of a woman. Talked about that. Uh, and, and do you remember uh, what they are? They're different. They're affection, conversational companionship. Uh, security and significance, those four needs. Look back over those sometime this week. Don't just leave them in chapter chapter uh, one and two and leave them there. The second thing was personalities. Uh, there's four personalities, powerful choleric, peaceful phlegmatic, perfect melancholy, and popular sanguine. Hopefully, again, you've kind of had some interaction with your wife or even others at work, and you've gone, oh, that's because they're they're uh, sanguine. That's why they're doing that, and that's why they're frustrating me, because I'm melancholy. Third thing we looked at was the five love languages, and they are What? Words of encouragement, physical touch, acts of service, giving of gifts, and quality time. Which one of those do you do you fit in? I was thinking about yesterday on the way home, actually on the way to school yesterday, um, about my different kids and about knowing them and being intentional with them as I am with Paige. About studying them and understanding who they are and what their where their what their five what their love language is and how they're how they're different. And so they each respond differently to me in that. Um, but, being intentional, so we've learned we've learned a whole lot, and all that understanding knowledge is what works with a woman, okay? All of it is understanding, but it's more than understanding. We've talked about that. Here's what I want you to know. this requires that whole paradox principle of die to live. it comes in it's 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 the biblical basis for what we're talking about. You've got to die in order to live. And that is 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 true with your with your spouse as well. I told you that that's the ultimate wisdom in life, and acquiring the best in life is going to go against my or your natural instincts, which is to be passive. Okay, so therefore, if I want the best life, I've got to die to get it. That's ultimate wisdom. So if I die just a little, then I, hopefully I'm going to uh, live live a whole lot. It's absolutely true when it comes to living with a woman too. Um, If you want to be successful with her, then I have to learn to be unnatural because what comes natural does not necessarily build her up. So I've got to do these things. I've got to be unselfish. Um, I've got to be non-instinctive, and uh, I've got to do the the hard and the fearful. Um, Most of I I think Satan's biggest tool in our life. There's two of them actually are fear and shame, and they're both tied together. And, and what he does is he keeps us bound by those um, and as far as moving ahead in any kind of relationship or moving forward or doing what comes unnatural or comes n- unnatural to us so that takes courage and it's not for the weak of heart um, and so uh, I, I encourage you to be courageous men today um, and you are for being here as we as we move forward so you have to die a little and you live a lot and the authentic man embraces this that as his way of life so all that's kind of Background, and today we're going to move forward and talk about st- how how a man stays close to the woman he loves. Now hear my heart in this. Um, I am not coming to you as the guy who's super close to his wife all the time and has got it. Um, the, the guys that speak to you, except the pastor, um, we are all fellow strugglers, okay? So um, to sit here, um, and and I've talked about some of the things we do in our marriage, and we have a great marriage, but we we struggle just like you do. And so, what I'm sharing with you is really more experience that I'm with you on the same road. It's not a thing of imitate me because I've done it. Okay, you can imitate me, and it's going to get you in trouble. But at least we'll all be on the same road together, and we can be encouragers. Okay, so that, there's there's my little heart moment there. Okay, so uh, it, but it's all about being connected and bonded, and I think that's what ultimately what we're supposed to to be about in marriage. And relationships is to is to be bonded with the one that God made us uh, created us to be with, and to be connected with them. So, most of life, long term, by the time you get to the end of your life, most of your life, as you look back, is going to involve happiness with a woman. Most of us get married because we want to be happy. A happiness is directly proportional proportional to how close you stay to that woman, so you can feel and love and laugh and enjoy life together. There's been a couple times in my life, and it's at, at Incredibly um, deeply spiritual times when I'm most connected to God, and I'm usually at my most broken point, and that's when I'm most connected to my wife. And the weird thing is that is that because in those moments with the Lord, I've I've died to myself, um, and so I'm so I'm experiencing life. And so it, it calls you once you've tasted that, it calls you back to that. You yearn for that. I really believe that. And so the more connected you get to your, to your wife, the, the more you want to stay there. Um, But it's it's intentional. And then you realize how, what being disconnected is like and how we do that just typically in day-to-day life. Three forces that are constantly trying to divide you from the woman you love, okay? And this is just the real practical stuff. These are wedges that come in between your relationship, and if they're not uh, addressed over time, they'll slowly push you apart and keep you from the very thing that you desperately desire, to be close to your wife, okay? Anybody in here want to be close to their wife or their girlfriend? Okay? Most of you, somebody didn't raise their hand, but we'll talk later. That's just because it's 6 o'clock in the morning. I know, that that is. I mean, that's why why you got married. These are the things that happen regularly that so many times we're, we're unaware of, but if you don't deal with them, they'll become a wedge and they'll drive you apart. The first one is, I'm just going to call it everyday conflict. Anybody have that? Everyday conflict. And basically it boils down to what is called culture wars little fights and spats and angry disagreements, little misunderstandings, okay, and they they end up growing. Um, That's where you're trying to get your culture adopted by your wife, okay? So it's you're trying to change her point of view. You're trying to win the fight. You're trying to talk her into coming on your side of whatever the issue is to be be more like you. Um, It won't ever happen, okay? I'm telling myself that today, even as I've tried that last night or yesterday, I'm sure, several times in my head if nothing else. You can never dominate anyone. Even when you think you're finally dominating them on the inside they're still standing up. Okay, they're they're still they're still in their their mode. Uh, they're still resisting and you might have won the battle, but but you've lost the war because you'll because of your stiff neck, neck neckedness that doesn't sound good. Stiff <laughs> neckedness. Um, you uh, you don't don't think on that too long. You don't feel close, okay? So we'll call it everyday conflict. Um, marriage involves two people who are from two different backgrounds, and, and you're meshing those. I married a couple this weekend, and I always tell them, you know, if you think that um, who, who you are is made up of so many things, it's how God wired you, it is totally how you were raised, the genes of your parents, all those things. And so it really is two people becoming one, but it's also two families uh, becoming a new unit. So you're from a different background, different life experience. All those differences create in each person a unique set of expectations and values and perspectives that they can carry into the relationship. When you first enter into that relationship, many of those values and expectations stay hidden just beneath the surface and the waterline of the relationship until something happens, and suddenly, like Jaws, they come out of water. You know, remember the movie Jaws? Were any of you born? Okay, That was like, uh, how many of you weren't born when Jaws were, was on? More than that. Okay, I remember, it, I was little, and I remember at the theater, it was like in the paper, they were talking about people running out of the theater because it was so lifelike and so scary and, and all this stuff. But the thing about Jaws that, that you always knew when Jaws was coming was what? da Okay, yeah, you have that in your in your home, too. You just don't hear it all the time. You hear it, but we don't hear it audibly. Um, it's kind of like the Lord's voice. It's just an impression. You know when something's going to happen because it, okay, here it comes. Uh, just when you think it's safe, you know to go back in the water, and that's when the song would start. Just when you think you're safe in your relationship, one day your mate turns to you and says, "When are you going to pick up after yourself?" You know, when are you going to pick up your your clothes that you just took off? Why don't you buy that without asking me? The jaws uh, sound gets louder, and that's how life works. And suddenly you realize we've got some differences here. We're really two different people than I thought, um, and those differences make conflict inevitable. She might be a spender, and you're a saver. Maybe she you were raised with money, maybe she wasn't didn't have a lot of money. Maybe you're messy and she's neat, or you're neat and she's messy. One of you's outgoing, one of you's quiet, one of you's on time, one of you's late. Anybody have that one? Oh, that's a big one. That's a big, big one. So a little personal take that off that podcast. Actually my wife does really well, but her family doesn't. A hugger versus a no touch. Okay. Um, those are things that oh, we're just that's so cute until Jaws comes out of the water and it drives you crazy. Okay? and it and it can and unless you deal with it, it can push you apart. So the question is not, will there be a conflict? The question is, how will I deal with this conflict? That's the question, and that's what we're that's what we're looking at. After a big fight with his wife, a man was talking to his friends, and later he said, "Well, as usual, after this fight, she came crawling to me on her hands and knees." Across town, unbeknownst to him, his wife was with her girlfriends, and she was talking about the same fight. She said, well, as usual, I came crawling to him on my hands and knees. And then I said, Jim, get out from under the bed and come talk to me like a man. Get it? He's under the bed. Okay. Robert Lewis needs some more jokes. Okay. Uh, Guys, let me tell you something. Okay. We'll move on. Most couples do not handle conflict well for one reason, and it's because they have the wrong goal in the conflict. Hey, what do you think the goal is in most of us when we have a conflict? Win. There you go, Travis, the ultimate authentic man, because he hides Scary Girl. Um, that, that's right. They have what I call the natural goal in mind, and it's the wrong goal. And here's what the goal is. When you fight, your first thought is to win, and that is natural in us. We are, we are driven to win, okay? When you are on the freeway and someone is trying to get around you, what do you do? You block them off or you speed up. It drives my wife crazy. Why don't you just let them go? Because why would I want them to get in front of me? Okay? God didn't create that. He made me to go faster. That's why I, I, can, I haven't gone as fast as a car goes. Okay? Uh, and you're, you're working out. If you see somebody lifting more than you next to you, what do you do? You up it? Oh, you leave? Yeah, you go. <laughs> you go get a drink of water. <laughs> yeah, you lift it, or you're you're playing ball, or whatever it is. You're playing Monopoly, whatever. We are we are wired to win. Okay, we're competitive, and so that's what happens. Um, and that's the great thing, and the great again, great thing that God shows us our need for Him in relationship with our wife, the weaker vessel that we talked about. Okay, so we are we are made we're made to win that's our natural thought and we want to win and we don't want to understand. So the assumption behind that strategy is since our goal to win is I'm right and why don't you understand that. Okay? We I I've, I've had these consistent consistent conversations with with um with my son and this isn't a marriage but it's a son um uh, thing and um he on, on this issue, and he cannot understand, and he doesn't want to understand. He, we both try to make the make the other one understand our point of view. But I've never been 13, and he, I'm, you know, and he's a he, and you think like a parent. That's what he tells me. Um, I said, well, good. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm, I'm right on it. Um, and then you spend hours and weeks, and sometimes can turn into months, and really almost marriages, trying to win out or make your case um, and hammer down the other person. So what we end up doing is just drive our wives away and further apart. Um, here's another, another quote by Dr. Phil, um, and I think it's, it's good. It's about conflict. He says, In all the years that I've worked with couples, the most common goal of each person was not to find out how to live and behave properly. Isn't that an amazing statement? But to convince me, the therapist, that what they were believing or doing was correct. Seldom did either partner come to me and sincerely say, I want our marriage to work no matter who is right, what both of them usually said was, "I want you to recognize that I'm right and convince my spouse that I'm right, so we can do things my way." And whether we would ever say that, that is what we believe. Okay, and uh, and that's that's in our that's in our sinful nature. In fact, I think it's been found to be very true. It's it's part of my flesh that I live in, and it's called sin, and it's being stiff-necked, and it's not. And if I'm going to be the spiritual leader of my home. That and love my wife and understand her and live in an understanding way. That we gotta we gotta move beyond that. It's not preferring her over myself. Die to self, okay. So on this journey of authentic manhood, there's no not pseudo manhood that only feels good um, when he wins, um, but moving but moving beyond that in love to something better, okay. You have a diagram right there, and we're gonna talk through that. There's not blanks, but there's places on the, all those arrows to write, and um, we'll fill them in. Um, Eric will as we go and if i summarize some that kind of thing you'll we'll just have to you'll kind of have to be smart they're also on the back and you can you can put them in so um if you go how many of y'all anybody in medical school doctor there's scrubs are you doctor there you go what kind of doctor are you pediatrics there you go awesome okay um, pediatrics when you go to the med school i guess they they you have gross anatomy is that right yeah. okay and what do you do in gross anatomy Everybody gets a little cadaver, which is a body, and you dissect it. That's right. And so um, the, uh, I think, I guess, as you go, you realize that all bodies are alike, ba- basically down to, the, down to the core. My son Harrison, um, he had to do a creation project, and um, Tim's son Ted did too. So we were looking. He, he did the Garden of Eden, so we had to go on. We were looking online, and so I Googled images of Adam and Eve. It's amazing what will come up um, with, my, with my son, and he was hilarious, and he saw the statue of David, you know, Michael, and statue. And he laughed his head off. He could not believe that there was a statue of a naked man, but it was hilarious. So, you anyway, we, we, uh, know, we didn't use that statue, but we got pictures and we, you know, put the fig leaves wherever they're supposed to go. But anyway, it was, uh, what, what I said was, Harrison, all bodies are alike, you know, all, all guys are alike. Anyway, that was just a little side note. They come in different shapes and sizes and colors, but really, when you get down to it and you begin to take them apart, they're all alike. So the reason I tell you that is whether you know it, all conflicts are really alike. Okay, they might look differently, but at the core, they're basically the same. same. Some may be small, some may be large, uh, some may be really short, and some may be lengthy, but all of them look like this diagram on the, on the, uh, on the screen, and it can ha- this can happen very quickly um, in just a few seconds, actually. You can, you can work through this whole diagram. So let's, let's, let's see how it works. It starts at the center with the conflict itself. Okay? That's the little bubble on the top where it says conflict. First, there's hurt feelings. That's the first error. There there you go. Eric's really good. And then the hurt feelings move to anger. And then the anger moves to the first of two critical moments. Okay, you have two choices at this point. The first choice is to go downward and to flee, to withdraw. And that's what some of us do, at least periodically. That's when I go work in the yard, mow, or jog. Okay, we go, I'm going to, I just got to, I'm going to walk away from this. And it could be for a short period or it could be for a longer period. Everybody knows there's been a hurt, and we withdraw to punish the other person, really. Uh, Everybody knows there's been a hurt. You walk around, you don't say anything. It's quiet, and you kind of kick the cat a little bit when nobody looks. You go and you sit down, and when your wife asks you something, you just kind of mumble. You're just punishing her through silence or vice versa. I'm I'm just fine. I won't talk. I can't win. Ever, ever have that thought? I, can't, I just can't win. I've said that so many times that pages is like, don't give me the can't win thing. She doesn't say it like that. She says it sweeter, but that's what I hear. Um, now for a while you might be scoring some points for your side, but if you really think it through, it's just the opposite of closeness. Okay, the goal is to be close. What, what has happened through this conflict of hurt, feelings, anger is you've withdrawn, and it escalates isolation. So you're, you're really really by yourself. Which, as I said, is the opposite of closeness. And i got to confess to you, um, I'm, I'm good at that. I don't know if you all are or not. I think it's a skill. Some, somewhere we learned that. Or, where you have the two choices, you can make a better, another decision, a better decision. And the better decision is to choose and face the conflict. And that's what an authentic man does. And an intentional man, and a man who moves toward his wife to stay close to her. He chooses to face the conflict. And it takes, no matter how big or how little the conflict or the issue, it takes courage to move through it. The easier thing to do is to flee. So once you decide that, and the quicker the better, it's the right thing to do. Now at that moment, you have two choices again. All these choices that we have. Um, the the the. Uh, let me find it. Second one of two two paths you can take. Um, if you've chosen to face the conflict you can you can take it again and you can take the wrong choice and that's to fight so that's not to run but i'm just gonna i'm gonna deal with the conflict because I'm an authentic man but i'm gonna deal with it like a man okay and we can be harsh and we can be hurtful um, we can we can be brash and we can not only um, um, break a will but we can break a spirit and we can break a heart really quick with our words. And our actions and even more than that guys, our tone is huge okay when we're dealing with conflict um, you can accuse demand put down and eventually denigrate in order to win which escalates the conflict and just like you, you're either escalating in isolation or the other negative thing is you escalate the conflict downward but there is a better choice and this is the right choice and it's the kind of you kind of pull back and you recognize that the goal is not to win but it's to move into it in a different way and move toward your wife. And so that is just to move into it with dialogue. It always starts this way. Honey, hey, can we talk? Okay, that's, a, that's an easy thing to say. Let's, or we need to talk or let's talk. Not I need to talk to you. You could say that, but it depends on how you say it. To be a dialogue, and it's not a monologue or a diatribe. And what I think our tone, my tone ends up being a lecture so many times. And so I have to be really, really careful in conflict not to be lecturing my wife or my kids because I'm really good at that. Why are you laughing, John? Can you relate? Okay, good. That's what I thought. I married them. I knew that. I saw that when I married y'all that day at the altar. This is going to be a problem. No, I didn't. Um, A dialogue where we can converse with one another because I'm really now in this to solve a problem Um, and not win a battle. And your wife will know your heart in that if you do that. And out of that will come some good things. Understanding, forgiveness, compromise, which all those things equal growth. And that's what we're about. We want to be growing and to being more conformed to the image of Christ. And that's what this is, is dealing with conflict. Conflict. Christ didn't withdraw to isolate, um, to become embittered. He, he withdrew to know the Father better, but he faced conflicts, and he did it. Of course, he's God, so he's a little bit better at it than this. So those are all good things. Listen, if I, can, uh, if I achieve it, if I've made this circle and get to the point, then immediately two things will, will be at work for me. The first is that the conflict's resolved, which is a great thing, and the second thing is the fruit of that is we become closer. And so sometimes it's that moment. It's a weird thing. After a conflict is solved or a fight, um, or there's brokenness, you're closer. It's a weird deal. It's like, uh, how did that happen? We were just in a fight a while ago, and now we're loving each other again, okay? Barry White comes in somehow there. Remember, we come from two different cultures, um, but in this little one con- one little conflict, we've inched a little closer um, together, and it's important that we understand each other a little more, little more through that. So it's a great, great deal. Now look at that diagram uh, just for a moment. That's the anatomy of the the conflict. Here's the principle. The conflict can either grow you as a couple closer together or it can force you further apart. And it's amazing if you talk to couples who are really struggling in some counseling situations, those kind of things, it all started way, way back about something that's not really big at all but was never dealt with. and And really, because usually the man didn't have it in him, to move toward his wife. So the key insight is it's the wise couple who learns how to resolve conflict quickly and correctly. That's the wise couple. And I pray for wisdom all the time. And these are simple things that God, God shows us. Okay. Let's see. In Ephesians um, 4 26, Paul says some great things about anger and conflict. He says, Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Great thing. My dad gave me that advice when I got told him I was getting engaged, actually. He, he told me that. He didn't quote it as scripture, but he said, Jason, one thing, he told me two things. This was one of them. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And so that's a great thing. That does not mean that um, you're not in a fight when you go to bed. It means that you have agreed that at some point you are going to talk through this and you're not boiling over with anger. But it doesn't mean that you have to be up till. You know, 3 o'clock in the morning, every time you have a conflict, to go to bed. But you got to do life, too. But there's an agreement, and there's a coming together of going, we're, we're committed, we're going to make it through this, and we are going to deal with this in a, in a proper and godly way. So conflict is inevitable, and Paul says, but don't let the sun go down your anger. So let me say it one more time. It's the wise couple who resolves conflict quickly and correctly and who uses it to grow together rather than being pushed apart. Beware of conflict and understand the anatomy of the conflict. That, that little diagram is a great thing if you can just embed that in your brain somewhere. And, and when you're in a conflict, see where you are and what, what kind of track you're going on. Okay, My feelings are hurt. I'm feeling a little resentful. Okay, am I going to go isolate myself right now or am I going to move toward my wife? And am I going to react real quickly and be defensive and win? Or am I going to say, let's talk through this and, and move through it? See how fast it can happen? I mean, literally it can happen within seconds and you're somewhere, you're spun out of control or you're moving toward your wife and that, so it's, it's, it's a good thing. Um, let's look at a, at a second enemy of staying close and uh, Robert Lewis calls it creeping separateness. Um, and if you want to look at the, at the uh, screens, there's a, there's a um, quote from Sheldon Van Auken that says, the killer of love is creeping separateness. In is a, in loveness is a gift of the gods, but then it is up to the lovers to cherish it or to ruin it. Taking love for granted, especially after marriage, ceasing to do things together, finding separate interests. We turning into I, self, self-regard. what do I want to do is an actual selfish, uh, is, is actual selfishness only a hop away. Um, so this is a way of creeping separateness. The modern world favors this. Um, favors this okay? Another quote by um, Sheldon Van Aken, if you'll look at the screens, it says, The man going off to his, his office, the woman staying at home with his children, her children, or perhaps having a different job. The failure of love might seem to be caused by hate or boredom or unfaithfulness with a lover, but those are the results. First came the creeping separateness, the failure behind the failure. And basically he's saying that's how it happens. The busyness of work, of different lives, of hobbies, of girls going out with the girls and guys going out with the guys, um, which are all good. Even church can cause creeping separateness to, to, to creep in. And it takes away time and the effort for oneness. Okay? So it's called the silent killer as well. So at, just ask the question, do you feel close to me or do I feel close to you? Ask your wife that at some point this week. Sit down with her and say, honey, do you, how close do you feel to me? And see what she says. And if she hem haws or, or she says, let me get back to you on that, I don't know if that's a good, good answer. Um, and if either party can't answer it, it means some serious interaction needs to take place. If that's the case, there are a couple of smart moves, um, just real practical things that you can do to move toward your wife. First of all, you've got to commit to a winning strategy. You've got to commit to a winning strategy. And what is a winning strategy? I want to give you three things that is inclusive in a winning strategy. And these are basically the same thing. Uh, they're, dif- they're saying the same thing that I said last week, but in a different way, okay? Weekly escapes. Weekly escapes. It's Some aloneness to catch up and process life together. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's basically like date weekly that we talked about, the three Ds, dialogue daily, date weekly, and, and depart monthly. This would be that date weekly. It's a time to communicate um, in that situation that's kind of away a little bit. The second one he calls as monthly experiences, and that be, those become your companion keeper, companionship keepers. And the third thing he talks about, and this is a great thing, is yearly extravaganzas. So there's a time that you build an incredible memory where it is somewhere away that you look back on, and when you do, just the thought of talking about that memory together, there's a closeness and a, and a fondness that, that rekindles. Um, and we have times like that that Paige and I will talk about. We're like, do you remember when we, you know, went to, um, uh, you know, I, I took her to a bed and breakfast one time. Uh, we we used to do that a lot when we were first married. And so we went to Comfort, you know where Comfort is? Kelly Mott's from there. And there's not much there, but there's just this great bed and breakfast there. And so the one that I wanted to go to, I wasn't smart enough to call ahead because I thought, who's going to Comfort? Well, everybody's in Comfort. <laughs> so I went to this Comfort and – um and it was close, so I said, "Well, there's a new one that's opened down um, and Paige was pregnant with the, with Chambers our first child, like a lot pregnant, and so um, we went down there and so we checked in and it was um, it was run by two guys, and um it was a kind of a different kind of feeling at this bed and breakfast, <laughs> and it wasn't like this nice hill country little inn kind of place it was like this I don't know what it was, but we couldn't find anything. It was hot. I remember we played nerts. Do you know what that is? Card game. She was pregnant. She was miserable. And all I could think of was her dad would kill me if he knew that I had her at this bed and breakfast run by these two uh, these men. And, the, and we're hot and we're playing cards. That's all I can remember. So we laugh about that often and, and go, oh, my word, can you believe? And then I go, aren't I a great husband? Um, so anyway, but we had the child. Her dad didn't find out. I don't know what happened to the men and or the bed and breakfast. But we're all we're all happy. So it was a, it was a really extravaganza. It was fun. That was really in, wonderful. You need to commit to the strategy. And here's the thing: not just commit to it, but here's the second major thing: Will you commit to be the one who initiates this strategy? You've got to be the one who initiates, guys. And that could be one of your ten moves. You know, on on one of your worksheets from prior weeks, there's a list of ten moves you're going to make. This is a way that I'm going to initiate with my wife. Don't just follow your heart, but lead with your heart. That's another quote out of Fireproof, okay? Don't just follow with your heart. Lead with your heart. Lead with lead your wife and be intentional about it and initiate. Um I teach a Sunday school class here of men my age. Um, and there's some men actually that are they're not here today, but they're in the class, so maybe they won't listen to this. But um I have to tell you, um, I get frustrated in, in my class. I taught newlyweds for 10 years, and I get more frustrated with men my own age because they lack initiative in their relationship with their wife. It's amazing. It's like I want to just go up to me and go, "Will you take the reins of leadership with your family and be a man and lead. Take initiative. That's what they're waiting for. And so not just go to work and make money and provide for your, provide for your wife. That's not her ultimate desire from you and that's not their ultimate God's plan for what you were to be with your with your spouse. So, I think the, especially the longer you're married, that becomes just by default that's what we do. You're um, and so as you start out intentional, then lead intentionally the whole time. Men were made to initiate and women were were created to respond. And um that is even I think shown in in um in our anatomy as man, men and women. I think it's it, it's um in it it's part of the model for intimacy, for the sexual union for a man and a wife, she's the receiver. The man is the initiator in that physically, um, and and so again, that is that's how we're to live. Remember the ten key moves. Um, this is those, those are things to write down. You know, I need to make a, a yearly extravaganza memory this this time. I need to have a, a, a date night, and I'm going to do it this week. But it's really an action plan. The last thing you had creeping um, what was that first one. I got to go back here. Creeping separateness, the second one is creeping resentment, okay? You know, according to the Bible, and I'm using the Bible as wisdom here, men in particular are in danger of falling into resentment. It's an easy one. Colossians 9, 319 says, Husbands, do not become embittered or resentful against your wives. Always had to ask myself the question, why did God feel it necessary to tell us men not to be resentful or be, or build embitterment against our wives? And the Bible doesn't answer that, but obviously we can only speculate that maybe it's because we as men, if we're honest, we're just more demanding in the relationship uh, than a woman is. Maybe not overtly, but in who we are. And I think there's a demanding way about men. And somebody pointed this out to me with with Paige. And they said, you know, men have a way, the way we talk, it's more forceful and it just comes across as more demanding. And it's not necessarily tender um, as, as we're supposed to be with our spouse, so that's something, something I have to, I have to work on. Um, so I, I have to confess, I want it my way a lot more probably than Paige wants it her way, and I probably pout more about it than she does, whether she knows it or not. She probably, I think she doesn't, but she, I'm sure she does. I want her to wear the, the you know, the, I, I, I want to hear um, about, I don't want to hear about how, you know, cold it is at night. Um, I want it how I want it. I want her to, to wear the nice, you know, the, the, the things that she wore on our on our um, uh, our honeymoon that we were early when we were married, those little sexy nighty kind of things that are in some drawer somewhere that we probably gave to the mission training center that somebody's wearing it, you know, in Africa. Um, rather than the wool suit, you know, sweatshirt with the hunter socks pulled up in the leg warmers. She didn't really wear that. Um, but at night, uh, when, when when she wants to talk, I don't want to talk. Uh, when I want to talk, she doesn't want to talk. You know, everything it really is about me. And... Um, and and we get like that and we get angry and we start to stew and we're like god we we feel like we're entitled to that and we're like but god you gave me this woman um and she's thinking the same thing about us probably um, but that's not what it's supposed to do and and that's that creeping resentment and if it builds up closeness will just die and you'll look up one day and go now why did we why did we go to that altar um and some of, us are there, some of us are there today. So to keep my relationship with my wife or girlfriend rich, every man needs to ask this question. What growing resentment, if any, and maybe there's not any, and that's awesome if there's not because you've kept it close, close to your heart and a checklist, what, am, what resentment am I carrying towards my wife right now? That might be a good question even to share in your, in your small groups in just a second. Did you know that research tells us that all the human emotions, resentment and bitterness is the most powerful and it's the most destructive? You start harboring that, and even if it's justified, not dealing with it will change you. And that's why I think um, Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And then we're told in Colossians again again, again by Paul, do not become embittered against your wife, okay? It, will, it is like a cancer to closeness, okay? My mom died of cancer a couple months ago, and I remember her saying, um, when I, and I think this is true of probably every cancer patient, when you hear you have cancer, all you want to do is you just want to get it out of you it's just whatever it takes just get it out of you because it's growing all the time and this is what that does to us resentment is going to constantly grow until we cut it out and deal with it we're almost wrapped up here okay so i know it's long so here are some smart moves you can make to pr- promote your uh, to protect yourself against uh, this that enemy of resentment first of all right now um for every guy in the room if you're in a relationship marriage dating fiance whatever why don't you look inside yourself and check your temper- temperature toward her? It's that question. Is there anything, any resentment in me in me toward her? If it's on the warm side, you're in good shape. That's awesome. But right now, if even mentioning this, there's something that in you that stirs and and, and is feeling hot, um, that's an issue and you need to take note of it. And you need to deal with it. And my encouragement is pray through it and deal with it today. And make a call or a... Or a um, an appointment with your wife today and say, you know what, I, let's talk tonight. I really want to spend some time. There's some things I need to talk to you about. If you don't have the courage to talk it through, um, if you're just going to keep stewing, and then you stew long enough, and it's going to blow at some point, okay? you got to check your temperature, and, and at some point, guys, you just have to surrender. There's things that aren't going to change. There's things in Paige and I's relationship that aren't just going to, they're just not going to change. That's how she's wired. That's how I'm wired, and literally I have to surrender those daily. I need to, and when I forget, that resentment builds. But I have to say, God, you're bigger than this. You're bigger than this issue. You gave me this incredible, wonderful gift that you perfectly crafted for me to be my mate. So I surrender to you my selfish desires and my sin in this, and um, help me to move toward that. Secondly, a smart move is to write your resentment down in an I-statement, okay? Instead of saying, Look at this visa bill you're a financial first grader. you know um, what are you doing? We're going to be bankrupt um, you don't You don't start that way, okay? You start with a with a thing that says honey, honey that's always a good one um, let Let's sit down you know I'm, I'm really uncomfortable about kind of how we're spending our money and, and let's talk about you know how how we can encourage each other and build some support into that okay it's not a finger pointing thing, but use I statements and once you have it. <clears throat> communicate it. Okay, that's the third step. You're seeking to get close, and you need to do it in a safe environment uh, where you both have time to talk. Not a, not a uh, I think that what I do sometimes I ha- I need to have an hour conversation but I try to do it in 5 minutes and it's it doesn't it doesn't work like that. And then it's a compartment. It's closed and we go on the next thing. It's not like that with with our wives. You're seeking to get close. Because, just like in politics, the marriage marriage is the art of compromise, and you've got to compromise. The third thing, action point, is sometimes, a lot of times, things can't be talked out just with you and your spouse or your girlfriend, and it takes a third party, whether that's a good friend, whether that's someone someone in your Sunday school class, Sunday school teacher, uh, one of your pastors, whatever, or even a, even a counselor. Um, I point people toward... Um, a counseling office, all the time. It's a great, great place. And it doesn't mean that you're weak, that your life is falling apart, or anything else. But to sit down, it might be your life is falling apart, but that's okay. Um, to sit down and talk through some issues with some somebody. Um, I have some other counselors that I know that I carry their cards. I mean, I'm like bookies for, for these guys and, and gals. And um, and so don't, again, be the initiator in that. If you find you're you're stuck somewhere, you're not going to get unstuck. Probably on your own. If you've been stuck a long time, take the initiative and be intentional and um, and set up a time to talk with someone, and we can help you. That First Baptist for sure. Okay. So here's here's one thing, and I'm going to close. Nothing over a lifetime is sweeter, more fulfilling, more satisfying, more at a deep level of happiness than staying close to the woman that you love for a lifetime. That's it. There's nothing nothing better. Um. Uh, last Sunday, I did a um, a week ago Sunday. Did I tell y'all I did that 50th wedding anniversary thing? I've renewed some vows for a couple um, for, that have been married 50 years. I haven't met them. I just know their daughter, who is a friend of ours through the school here. So I walked in. It was a surprise. So they walked in, and they knew everybody but me. And then she kind of looked at me, and she, I go, you don't know me. I'm going to help here. But anyway, it's is the sweetest, sweetest thing. A Marriage is an awesome thing. But a 50th wedding anniversary is, is incredible. And there's only about 4% of people that will ever experience a 50th wedding anniversary. And not necessarily because of death, but because of divorce. Because they've chose to not stay close to their spouse and to pursue their spouse. And so guys lead out in that. Um, suck it up and be a man and take the initiative to do that. That's what it's about. A huge huge deal, and what you'll do is you'll not just change your marriage you'll change generations because your kids will see that and that's kind of that's the kind of life and spouse they'll be and they 'll desire okay let me pray and I know it's a lot of information every week these are this is tons of stuff, but thanks for hanging with me and the next week um, Eric will um, talk about sex and so it'll seem like forever with him that he's talking and it'll seem like two minutes to y'all so let 's pray <coughs> Lord, thank you uh, for the goodness of the day and the gift, Lord. Thank you for these guys who, just being here, Lord, uh, is shouting that they want to be authentic men and men who are intentional about their relationship with their wife and their kids. So, um, Father, would you just bless them today? God, I pray that your Holy Spirit really would um, connect something that was said today in their heart of hearts, Lord, and in the depth of their soul of something that they need to move forward in. Um. God, I know there's guys here that there's 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 things stewing in them, Lord. Whether it is an unmet need that they have, um, Lord, financial woes because lack of leadership in in their family, or or whatever, Lord, um, disagreement, not being on the same page with how to raise kids, uh, coming at things from different belief systems. Lord, those are, those are really intense and difficult things that if we don't talk through, Lord, we won't be the men that you created us to be. We'll be isolated and we'll we will not be celebrating the joy and living the joy that you have for us in relationships. So God, um, empower us, give us courage, and help us not be paralyzed or um, fearful um, by what um, seems to be instead of what could be. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.